So welcome to this week's episode of Thrive. I am very excited because today we're talking about the impact of gathering emotional data and augmenting it with machine learning and AI. And I'm actually joined today by Todd Myers, who's the co-founder of Brandthrow. And Brandthrow is a neuromarketing consultancy using AI and neuroscience to create a richer understanding of humans, brands, and content, but through the lens of personality, brand experience, and language all connected to emotion. So that may have been a mouthful, but we're gonna dive into all of that and really talk about the inflection point of data-led experience. So Todd, thank you so much for joining me today. I am super, super stoked to have you. Thank you for having me. So let's really just kind of unpack um, the emotion economy has arrived, right? What role would you say empathy should play in customer experience? Well, I, when I say it's a, it's, that is a, that's a big question. It's a big question. It's Let's... a big question. <laughs> um, and what's interesting is that if you had asked me that question five months ago, I would have said it's, it's a, it's of critical importance to understand how people are feeling so you can understand how they'll behave mm -hmm. and how they'll act. And when we say customer, we look, I, we look at everyone as a customer, so an employee is a customer outside, inside. So the, it's critical we understand from the C-suite perspective how important customer experience and employee experience are. And more importantly, then we determine the importance of employee advocacy customer advocacy as part of that experience well everything changed if you looked at if you asked that question before march 13th you kind of looked with deer in the headlights going well what does that mean well we all of a sudden understood what does advocacy mean starting march 15th where it said march 13th saying it now means safety security and somebody has my back mm -hmm. and that pervasive understanding of what someone is feeling in this current state is critical for any brand to succeed. Then the world changed again on March 25th after George Floyd murder, and we understood a whole nother texture and a whole nother layer of what does safety and security mean? Mm -hmm. And so we clients, let's start with the employee experience first, because everyone being a customer, and by understanding how you're going to engage and what are the key experiences that are going to be most resonant with them. So in a remote environment for most of us, and then what is actually gonna make them feel safe and secure through multiple lenses, and what's the best language to use to actually engage them and make them feel engaged, productive, um, a part of making change, all those things that, are, that vary from brand to brand but have an overall arching theme that has to be throughout all society. So that, that at, its, at its highest level is what we're talking about when the importance of understanding how people are feeling when creating experiences, whether it be internally or externally. Mm -hmm. And I think that's a good overarching frame. Um, most people are going to say, well, what about the economics, right? So right. let's get into the economics. When we talk right. about them from both the qualitative and quantitative KPI standpoint, how does emotionally, what did we say, emotionally uh, or data-led experiences, how do they really impact um, a moment to drive an action? So it's my favorite question. <laughs> uh, we are an insights company, but what good are insights just for insights sake? So our objective is almost is to look at the economics of emotion. 
So understanding by creating emotionally optimized uh, communications, emotionally optimized experiences, emotionally optimized, you fill in the blank wherever you're actually going to touch a customer by making them feel something you'll move, you'll be able to move them to act. And actually the more intense that emotion is, the higher the emotional intensity a brand has with its target, the higher degree of trust, loyalty and spend will result. So in a world where no one knows where to turn to feel safe and secure, you we're looking to brands and we will look to brands to, to make us feel safe, secure and endure trust. Mm-hmm. It actually makes me think of um, the recent Nike spot. I don't know if you saw that. Someone posted it on LinkedIn. I think it was no. Rod Hess um, from Rally Marketing posted it on his LinkedIn a client of mine, and I shared it. It was such an amazing spot, incredibly emotional, really, right. really um, well done in terms of like the video production. And again, it's exactly what you're talking about, right? It, it covered all of those emotional... Um, Obviously, it was very on brand in terms of, you know, it was talking, uh, it was showing the athletes in, you know, from in, in many different sports and sort of like showing them transitioning from one to the other of all different backgrounds um, and really kind of this very um, in solidarity type of message. But it was just incredibly done. I don't think that there was even a word spoken on the, in the entire spot. It was just all done visually, but incredibly emotional. Um, cool. And they're, they're a great, Nike is a great brand and a great example who is, who yeah. hits, who hits the emotional button every single time. Every time. Not, and there are some brilliant strategists out there, some brilliant creatives out there. What we're saying is what if you were to actually test those themes, test the language before you actually spent however, however many millions of dollars mm-hmm. on a spot to test what if you actually tested it before it went to market? So you, you knew how somebody was going to feel before you spent a dime. So our whole philosophy is playing at the strategic uh, phase of any sort of experience development, whether it be a commercial or whether it be a cultural event or, or any, whatever it is. Right. But what if you knew how somebody was going to feel, what their reaction was going to be and what their behavior and likely behavior would be before you spent a dime. So if, from an efficiency and efficacy perspective and the economics perspective, we support optimizing not only your spend, but optimizing your emotional engagement. Right. At right. Um, I just want to go back for a second because uh, you know, you mentioned George Floyd and I was wondering like, is there um, an example or some anecdote that you could share about how the proprietary approach that you're taking at brand throw um, is really going to benefit organizations as they respond to social justice and diversity inclusion efforts in their own organizations. Absolutely. I, I can speak about it anecdotally. Yeah. So we're working with a number of brands that have had particular interests right now around culture development and understanding that while DNI has, it has been a, a guiding light for many brands to date, it's not taken on a whole new context right now. And I think that it's no longer business as usual. There's no longer checking boxes. I think that there's going to be, we know there is going to be an opportunity to optimize the language you're using when talking about what does race mean? What does it mean to be diverse? What does it mean to be inclusive? And what are the various kind of lenses you need to look at that, including social justice, to say, 
how, how are we going to behave? How are we going to stand up as a brand internally? And we believe that especially now it's important to start with the employee and culture because then it halos out. And again, that is what will, again, back to the economics, that will improve productivity for someone feeling safe and more comfortable in their, in their own skin, in their own workforce. Mm -hmm. And then the ability to actually attract other employees because there is such this strong approach to, to diversity and inclusion. And I don't believe it's the same, it's the same approach. I believe now's the time that we're going to have really see some catalyst of change. And we, we hope and what we're working to do is identify what are some of those uh, pivot points that we can actually take advantage of to benefit the organization, but also benefit the organization as a whole, but benefit society. So how do you, how do you ultimately stand up in, in, a, in an authentic way? Because every brand has to do it in the most authentic way possible because right. you've seen the missteps already. Right, right. Yeah, it's interesting. I, there are a couple of um, really great organizations that are, I think, leading this um, newer movement that is really um, rooted in the fact that, you know, talking about language, that diversity and inclusion as a term, DNI as a term, maybe kind of misses the mark. And okay. so there's this whole movement that's like, could we stop talking about DNI? It was really just checking boxes, right? Well, it's interesting you say that. So we had a 2020 trend report. Uh, that we put out uh, in December of this year, this, sorry, of last year for this year of 2020, that we reframed DNI in the concept of brand justice. So oh, it's I again, it's, it's it's all encompassing, and it's really understanding how does a brand step up, mm. and it's DNI still has connotations of checking boxes. Okay, we have this person, this person, this person, but yet they don't have a voice. They don't necessarily have a seat at the table. There's there is no cross pollination of ideas. And that's the benefit of having a more diverse environment right, right, is the, right. the diversity of ideas. So um, I, I absolutely agree. We're playing with what the, we, we've been testing different types of language. We did a bunch of testing. We did a study around um, COVID language and Black Lives Matters language mm -hmm. to see how it was resonating with um, voters who are 19 to 40 mm -hmm. that are male, female, and that are white and non-white. Mm -hmm. So again, looking at how people feel emotionally and react to specific language and then with identifying what language they are most emotionally resonant, resonating with. Again, this was not, our site was not brand specific, but the opportunity is to customize it to a brand to ensure that they're using the right language to connect with their, their target and their employees. Right. So that 2020 trend report that you're talking about, yes. um, you did that in December, but then you just mentioned some stuff around COVID and, um, you know, racial strife and things along those lines. Was that report updated since then? Or is the report that you're talking about from December? The report I'm talking about is from December. We've just begun to release some of the insights from a study that we actually just completed a couple of weeks ago. Okay. Okay. Great. So uh, I'll that, that, that's a research study. Yeah. Okay. Got it. So definitely we'll put the link to the 2020 trends reports um, yes. Yes. in uh, in the show notes for sure. Um, so let's talk a little bit about the technology itself, because I think that that's kind of interesting. Um, what are the downfalls of sort of that like positive, negative, neutral effect from third party technologies compared to what you're doing with Branthrow? Okay, well, 
what's typically available, and there are a lot of people out there doing it very well, is what's called sentiment analysis. Mm -hmm. And sentiment analysis is really reactive language. So they're looking and saying they're they're calling the let's say Twitter, Facebook, all the other channels. They're saying this your target is using this language when talking about your brand, mm -hmm. and then they're in, inferring what's positive, what's negative, and what's neutral. But however, but however, however there are false positives and false negatives. So the limitation is that, is that there's, not, there's no true science behind it. What we're doing is primary research, that before anything is created, we're looking at uh, both through the lens of personality and brand experience. So we're looking at creating a rich understanding of who the, the target is, so creating commercial intimacy. Mm. And then we're looking at brand language through both primary and secondary emotions. So primary emotions predict behavior, secondary emotions identify where there are underlying tensions that might lie beneath that primary emotion. And then we're able to weigh the emotional intensity that someone feels when reacting to a piece of language because we know the higher the emotional intensity, the higher degree of trust, loyalty, and spend results. What's unique about our approach is that we're using data science and not, and not statistical analysis. Mm. So statistical analysis on can be applied to a environment where everything is black and white. There is no fluidity of under, there's no multiple choice. Well, you can have multiple emotions, you can multiple emotions to any one piece of language. So emotion is thought not to be in equilibrium. So when applying statistical analysis models, they're flawed because there are too many assumptions. But by applying data science, which is something that our head of data science created an algorithm that is able to state, measure what that, um, what that weight is of that emotion mm -hmm. on our continuum of, of love to anger. Uh -huh. um, we're able to predict with accuracy of 99% with sample sizes of only 100. Wow. So we're basically putting math behind emotion. So it is the data and it's, it's math. So it's accurate to 0 0.01 decimal places. So 99% accurate. Unbelievable. Yeah. The power of that, like if you really think about that, math behind putting math behind emotion right. um yeah incredible and again um, back to the idea of nike yeah when you're not nike right. <laughs> for those that, you know the the power is you may have great ideas and we may identify there's just subtlety between the ideas but yet one is better because it's math is better than the other because of how somebody we've measured how somebody is actually emotionally reacting to it and feels yeah. Yeah. So because we have, or you have the ability to do that to that level of accuracy and all of the gradient and all of the spectrum in between, which the statistical analysis does not provide, right? right. There's a huge opportunity in that. And the opportunity is to create these experiences that are extremely interactive and extremely engaging because you have the ability to predict that they will be right. So, um, I guess as we start to wrap up, you know, what are some of the discussions that you've been having either internally or with other organizations in terms of the types of applications that this could be used for? Because I, I would imagine that really it's, it's almost unlimited what you could apply this to. Right. right. So, so, so we're marketers that have created a technology for marketers. We saw two major pain points being everyone out there who's listening knows that your customer segmentations just don't tell you enough right. and they're, they're not actionable and they're not really, there's no, um, they're stale by the time you get them. So 
we have the ability to actually create a rich understanding of who they are through the big five ocean model. So that's our personality framework we use. Mm -hmm. We're able to look at brand experience features that are most important to the target. And again, because we need small sample sizes, we're able to get to micro targets within that overall sample. So it's very exciting. You can create niche understandings. Let's say within uh, a vodka drinker, you're able to get to three ethnicities within the vodka drinking community and create custom experiences for each of those, um, those sub micro segments. So we're able to understand not only the experiences that are most important to them, but then actually do some analysis to do some pairwise analysis to actually drive innovation within that space related to that target. And then we're able to, able to look at brand language to create custom experiences that actually will drive, will move the needle. And we know from experience that we're able to move the needle on uh, engagement and actually drive sales. So that goes back to the whole economics, economics. Components of really what is most exciting, is one of the most exciting things about how we are applying what it is we're, we're doing in the market right now. Yeah. Unbelievable. This, I mean, it's absolutely fascinating, really. Um, I will put a link to the website in the show notes. And thank you. Thank you so much for coming on. Um, really, really want to stay in touch and hear how this is going because um, I don't know, it's just, it's really exciting. And I love the fact that, yes, we are at this inflection point. We're finally really, really taking emotion seriously. So that's exciting to me. I think it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's an exciting time in, in culture. Yeah. Because I think that what this time, this quarantine has shown us is that how important empathy is. Yeah. Finally, it's kind of like something we've been talking about for years. <laughs> um, and really what drives empathy is language. And I right. said, you know, in response to your last question, it does have application wherever there's a customer engagement. So wherever there's a customer, there's a need to improve your emotional engagement and your emotional EQ. So that's, you're absolutely right. There's broad application. Yeah, great. Again, thank you so much, Todd. My pleasure. Thank you. This episode has been brought to you by Workamajig, the number one creative agency management software. Show notes at thrive.workamajig.com. Find out how your creative agency can become more productive and more profitable. Schedule your demo at thrive.workamajig.com.